Adam. <laughs> yes, Dean. <laughs> what was your favorite movie that you saw this year? I, I, recently, I saw Shame with, with Michael Fassbender. Uh-huh. There's a three-minute scene of his nude body, which is enjoyable. So yeah. that's up there. The rest right. of the movie is good, too. All right. So it's the time of year when every single person, including us, becomes a, a film expert. Um, it is Oscar season. The Oscars are upon us. And with that in mind, welcome to the No Homo Podcast Oscar episode 2012. Yay! It's gay Super Bowl! <laughs> Madonna's not performing. Sorry. Right. right. What is the gayer Super Bowl yeah, this What is year? the gayer Super Bowl? <laughs> Dean, you didn't ask mine. Oh, well, what's your favorite movie that you saw this year, Yorks? Bridesmaids. Is it? I think Bridesmaids is um, the most fun I had in the movie theater this past year. And I didn't think that there was any movie um, that really... Where I came out and was that affected by cinema. So I would say Bridesmaids. It's weird for me as someone who held you uh, in tears walking out of The the Deathly Hollows Part (laughs) 2 that you would say that Bridesmaids was a more meaningful experience for you. But I get that. It was good. I like Bridesmaids. What would you... Would you say Deathly Hollows then? Uh, Yeah. Selfishly? Not selfishly. Okay. Generously. I, <laughs> Generously. Yeah, okay. I, I give Deathly Hollows Part 2 to the world. Oh, I would also say The Descendants. The Descendants was oh, the Descendants awesome. Was yeah, it was great. It was a great movie. Uh, year to year, there are ups and downs with queer movies. Um, yeah, no, I think for sure. And I think that this year was a really awesome year. Um, I interviewed a film critic and film writer, um, and uh, he sees about he sees hundreds of movies at at you know film fests across the world every year. And he also said that this year was a really great year for for queer cinema. Um, and so yeah, you'll you'll hear his interview coming up. His name is Peter Kinnett, and he he really knows his his films. And so it was really nice to to speak to him. I was say, I was asking Dean um, a little bit earlier, I said, what was the first time you can remember growing up where you sort of saw queer representation in cinema? My answer, I think, was Will Smith in Six Degrees of Separation. Um, but he plays a really charming um, gay guy in Six Degrees of Separation. He plays a con artist. Yes. And con it's um, and it, it's so great. Um, sort of the first time that he was really acting and he's you can really see the talent in him in that movie i mean in fresh prince he was always like fun and vivacious but in that movie there's like a really incredible talent i don't even think of him as the same person at all anymore no no same with me like he went from being someone i wanted to be to someone that just like (laughs) embodies everything like like why i can't go to a you know a, a movie yeah it's um, like money 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 mm-hmm. um i think the first time i ever saw sort of queer representation or i can remember uh a really like strong queer film was um the birdcage and i saw that um when i was i don't know maybe 12 or 13 and i just remember thinking how progressive that movie was because i I just remember thinking, I can't even believe that Hollywood or Robin Williams decided to even make this happen. Like, it seemed so sort of out of the realm of possibility. It's like it's like someone played a trick on Hollywood executives and allowed <laughs> it to, like, come into my hands in yeah. some way. Oh, do you know who's a big one for me was um, Christian from Clueless? Mm, yes. Who, I wasn't, I, there were, I wasn't attracted to him, but I was like... 
I was like mystified by that character and I would I would watch that movie obsessively and when my mom like would walk through the room to be like what are you doing I would be like like oh nothing and like talk to her really loud so she couldn't hear how gay the things were that were going on on Christian was saying yeah Yeah. they're charging for brewskis (laughs) (laughs) what about you I think remember I grew up uh, watching a lot of horror and sci-fi movies Mm. um and so I remember watching Aliens, the second one, and it's the best one. Yeah, it's seeing Vasquez as a like ten or eleven year old boy, who's this uber butch uh, woman in an army getup, and and I, at that point I kind of prematurely put two and two together and was like, oh, she's she's kind of manly. Is that like is she taking on the role oh. of of a man? And like I didn't really. Strongly yeah. understand the concept of a gay and lesbian yeah. at that point. Like I knew what they what it was, but that's sophisticated though. <laughs> I couldn't have like I couldn't have thought outside of my own experience enough to like have even conceived of lesbians. I was like, you know, Fair. that was. But anyway, sorry. Continue. No, yeah, and I just remember, I remember um, seeing her act in the way that I was used to seeing uh, male uh, authority figures in in other action or sci fi movies. Mm-hmm act to like negative or the or the 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 bad guy for lack of a better term but and i just remember putting that kind of together and being like oh so maybe in this world or in this scene that's okay and that that makes sense like a woman could kind of be more manly or more masculine mm-hmm. or embody that uh and from there i kind of i'd say that that character helped me piece together the idea of female homosexual like mm-hmm. lesbians so yeah. um that's yeah. your first conscious memory of yeah it was yeah aliens yeah thank you interesting <laughs> mine, was, it, mine was Iggy and oh Iggy uh, yeah. fried green tomatoes yes. fried green tomatoes yes. that's my first lesbian thing I think which is super weird because it's based on the book of Ruth in this is my Roman Catholic coming out but it's based on the book of Ruth and I remember uh, being in Sunday school back to me noticing lesbians as a child mm-hmm. in Sunday school they talked about the book of Ruth mm-hmm. And I was like, that sounds weird that those two women are that close. And then I watched Fried Green Tomatoes and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this it makes is, sense. It makes sense. Yeah. There's a book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. It's in the Bible. I looked at the Bible. <laughs> I, I did not know that. Anyway. All I remember from the Bible is Joseph and that amazing technical <laughs> Great soundtrack. Um, yeah. And then what's interesting about, I don't know, about queer cinema is I think that going forward, like going into my teens, there were sort of all those and going into my early twenties, there were all those, all those movies that came out like broken hearts club was almost in on, on the heels of, of um, the queerest folk fad of sort mm-hmm. of like commissioning these movies that were like for gay audiences for like this niche market because queerest folk ha- somehow had this success. So I think mm-hmm. like people are like, Oh, let's make movies for people that like to watch queerest folk. Yeah. Um, there's definitely like a cottage industry of movies that if Tyler Perry is um, doing what he does for black cinema, there are people that are trying to do the same thing for gay cinema. 
I agree. Um, Can you? What are examples of that in your opinion? It's well, like the entire eating out series, things <laughs> like that. Not another gay movie. Not another gay movie two. <laughs> not another gay sequel. Not another, yeah. And now there's one called Bear City. <laughs> it's like no. Bear City and Bear City Two. Yeah. Bear City Two was filmed in Provincetown this past summer. So pretty. Yeah, Bear Week. Yeah, Bear Week. Sure. Is it? Um, are those like equivalent, like gay equivalents to American Pie? Yes. Okay. Um. And uh, it is true, they serve though. their purpose. Yeah. They serve their purpose. I, um, like, to, I, I will confess that after more than a few early Saturday mornings when I have come home from the bar with friends, one of those gets put on weirdly <laughs> always. It's like this thing where, like, you come home, you have a few after-party drinks, and then everyone passes out watching Eating out too. <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking about your specific experiences, yeah. but um, yeah, and then I think queer cinema, obviously a huge benchmark for queer cinema, my opinion is broke back, obviously. I think anyone, you know, whenever, whenever someone thinks of, you know, the queer film that maybe defines this generation, it's broke back mountain, obviously. Um, <laughs> just in case you weren't sure. Yeah. Just in case you weren't <laughs> sure, but you are cause you have a brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then I think what's sort of broke back to me was sort of like the first time, um, like a studio did a film with two, you know, straight actors being yeah. gay and, you know, it had obviously huge critical acclaim, tons of Oscar nominations. And Brandy Quaid. <laughs> Randy Quaid. Is, I, forgot, I forgot he was in that. But I, and then obviously broke back sort of launched, um, the way for milk to happen. Yeah. And then, you know, I think a lot of more films like that are, are on their way. Like, I think it's more acceptable now. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, Brokeback did really well in terms of the Oscars. It won, you know, a lot of Oscars. Yeah. Milk did really well. And I think that, um, yeah, more on their way. And I think, um, you know, this year has been really a good year for queer cinema as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's also, not to backpedal or backtrack, there's a movie... I read the book. It's called Breakfast with Scott, and it featured. It's so tacky. Like it's no, like, it's a Canadian. Yeah, it's a Canadian it's sweet, film. Though. It's super sweet. It's yeah. it's like every every one of those like family oriented movies that I grew up semi resenting because they were super heteronormative. Yeah, um, this embodied, and I I remember watching it, and at the time I was seeing someone, and I was just like, oh, wouldn't it be <laughs> sweet to like play hockey with your adopted child and like live in a like cute little urban neighborhood and. I don't know that movie as tacky as it as it is um, triggered a very like familial sense, and I, I I took it for what it was, and I I just I think it's one of those it's cute, cute. Yeah, it stars cute. Ed. Stars Ed, which is Tom Cavanaugh, right? Yeah, low alumnus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this year, I I, I want to talk about this year for cinema because one of the best movies besides Bridesmaids and maybe The Descendants that I saw was a film called Weekend. Yes. I saw it in New York on sort of this rainy Friday night with a friend of mine, and I was just completely blown away by it. Um, and it's not, it's not just a sort of definitive queer movie. It's it's just an awesome film as well. I, I sort of equate it to um, like a a queer version of uh, Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really nice, and it's about sort of the connection of these two people and all of those little moments that sort of make up the beginning of a relationship that aren't significant plot points to advance any other movie. Um, this movie captures those in a really beautiful, truthful way. And 
I just hadn't seen that. And also being sort of a, being a 20 something, you know, gay guy, um, I, I had never seen my experience so vividly captured on film, Mm -hmm. which was really eye opening and really sort of groundbreaking for me. I thought, so Adam and I also saw this other uh, incredible film this year. And by saw, you mean we balled through. We held each other through. And it was this amazing documentary um, called We Were Here. Uh, and it's about... Yeah, basically it chronicles the the experience of um, a select group of guys in San Francisco uh, when HIV and AIDS was coming about uh, with very little education about or very little understanding about what was what was happening or what the consequences were. So it, it kind of took you through the experience of um, a group of men learning about this thing called gay cancer uh, and losing people in the community that they loved and... The beginning of AIDS. The, yeah, it was the beginning of AIDS in a, in a super urbanized gay neighborhood. It's incredible. Yeah. The whole thing is really incredible and just really eye-opening. And Please see it. <laughs> it's really, yeah. It was, what I think is more important to gay cinema, that movie or Christian from Clueless. <laughs> <laughs> if Christian from Clueless could... He saved Ty at the mall. <laughs> I, know, I, I am not weighing in on this one. <laughs> I don't know. There's probably... We'll put a poll on it. We'll put a poll okay. on it. If you guys want to call... If you guys want to... Yeah. Okay, yeah. If you guys want to... <laughs> Answer Dean's question. <laughs> He's giving you a challenge. So, a documentary about the AIDS epidemic in San Francisco in the 80s or Christian from Clueless. <laughs> Both centered around California gay things. Yeah. So, Cal- shout out to the U.S. West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so coming up in the podcast, uh, I'm going to interview Peter Kinnett. He's um, senior editor at IndieWire and a queer film critic and writer, and he really knows his movies. So he tells us a bit about what we should be looking forward to at the Oscars and um, if you're in an office pool, who to vote for, and also um, uh, talks a bit about this year in queer cinema and what he thinks were the best queer films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a... Yeah, I had a... So Mike actually introduced me to photographers that worked on the film... Uh, weekend uh, called Quinford and Scout, uh, and they have a really interesting aesthetic uh, that is showcased on like pretty availably on their website, um, which we'll have up on our Tumblr page. Uh, and so I talked to them about the art direction between what their their own personal photography and their own personal documentation is like, and what they wanted to see with the the stills they took with the movie Weekend and. Um, there's some pretty interesting parallels and we'll get into that more depth when you hear the interview. So stick around and listen. So um, next on the podcast, we're going to talk to Peter Knett. He's um, the senior editor at IndieWire, which is sort of a hub for all things film related and a queer film writer as well. And I think he's got excellent taste and I sort of um, accosted him at a bar once because I love his blog so much. And he was, I think, maybe a little freaked out, but um, it was, I, I think it's okay. He's agreed to at least be on the podcast with us. Hi, Peter. Thanks so much for being uh, with us on the podcast. Hey, how's it going? So, Peter, I want to know, first of all, um, uh, I guess, you know, obviously the Oscars are coming up um, and it's sort of the culmination of the year in cinema and the celebration of that. Um, you know, you 
uh, see, I would imagine, probably hundreds of movies a year and are at umpteen film festivals. And um, can you talk a bit about, um, I guess, this year's Oscar race and sort of who it boils down to? Uh, sure. I mean, this year's Oscars race, unfortunately, is sort of, you know, exceeds last year as being one of the most sort of boring, unrepresentative Oscar years I've ever sort of experienced just in that, that, you know, some of the greatest films that I saw last year, they're not showing up here at all. I mean, there's been no nominations for films like Shame or We Need to Talk About Kevin or Melancholia, which, I mean, I'm not alone in, in, in my admiration for those films. And in the end, what's happened is it's basically, you know, it's going to be the artist show. And the artist is this film that um, the Weinstein Company picked up out of Cannes. It's a silent film um, uh, produced by France that's that's set in Hollywood in the 1930s. And it, it, I mean, it's pretty much all but certain that that film will win Best Picture and Best Director and multiple uh, artistic and technical categories. So, I mean, for the most part, it's 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 kind of sewn up. And, and maybe they'll surprise us, but for the most part... Uh, I'm not exactly excited about this weekend. <laughs> you know, in terms of Canada and some queer content in the Oscar race, I mean, it seems to me like Chris, it's a no-brainer, and, and it sort of has been the biggest no-brainer of the Oscar race, uh, is that Christopher Palmer will win Best Supporting Actor for Beginners, playing um, a man who comes out very late in life uh, after his wife dies um, to his son, and sort of has this beautiful, um, you know, in his, in I guess the, the autumn or winter of his life, you know, this beautiful realization of of who he is and and who, who he has been. Um, can you speak to, uh, you know, how how clear front runner Christopher Plummer is? Yeah, I mean, Christopher Plummer's definitely always been sort of the Monique or the Christian Bale of this award season. And it's it's really quite actually nice because I remember seeing beginners at Toronto, uh, the Toronto Film Festival, you know, last year and thinking, you know, this was such a really charming, affecting performance. And it was such a small movie that it was sort of frightening to think that it might get lost, but it didn't. And people saw it and they, they clearly took to it. And he's won so many of the awards leading up to this. And this is the instance where, you know, he's 80, I believe he's 82 and he's never won, and he's clearly been around for a very long time. Um, and you know, often times they'll, they'll give these sorts of awards to people that are that age or have been around that long as sort of this career achievement type thing. But he deserves it. I mean, that performance is actually really, really great, like notwithstanding his career. And uh, I think that's really, really fantastic that that it's going to work out. And I would assume and hope that it does work out because it seems pretty locked in at this point. And I, as far as I. Uh, as far as I can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he will be the first Canadian male actor to win an Academy Award um, in a competitive category. So he'll he'll beat Ryan Gosling to the punch if <laughs> if it ends up being the case. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Can you yeah. speak a bit? I mean, obviously you know a ton about Oscars, but can you speak a bit about the history of, um, you know, openly gay characters um, who who have won Oscars? Can you think of any specifically? Yeah, I, I think of it. Tom Hanks so, specifically, but Tom Hanks. I mean, but it's actually like the history of, of that is, is somewhat astounding. Like it actually exceeds what percentage of gay people, um, even if you give it the sort of 10% number, but in the past 20 years, I mean, it, not just gay, but if you just sort of include the queer umbrella, I mean, William Hurt for, for kiss the spider woman, Hillary Swank for boys don't cry. 
um, Charlize Theron for Monster, Sean Penn for Milk, and there's so many nominees. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman for Capote, who also won. Um, it's it seems almost like kind of a golden ticket, which is sort of strange to think. Um, but with Christopher Plummer, I think he's playing. He's it's not a tragic character. Uh, I mean, spoiler alert: he does die, but it, it's it's much less uh, severe than you know, Boys Don't Cry or Milk or, or Monster, and it's 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 probably one of the more sincere. Uh, understated queer characters that we're going to see win an Oscar, but but definitely uh, there's a significant history in terms of you know s- straight people playing gay people, and and then they win an Oscar. I wanted to talk to you about um, what you would maybe consider the best queer uh, film that you saw in the past year in 2011. W- what do you think it was? Uh, I mean, th- there's really no doubt in my mind what the best queer film of, of 2011 was. Um, it's de- most definitely Andrew Hayes' Weekend, which unfortunately, you know, really didn't get the notices that it should have, um, especially from a lot of... It's a British film uh, about, you know, this two men that, that meet at a bar and have this weekend together. Uh, it, it didn't get a lot of notices from even the British sort of award season thing. But it's an astounding film and, and really sort of um, marked the beginning of a, a career, I would assume, from from that director and writer. And uh, it's it's kind of a shame that it didn't get out as far as it, it should have. But beyond that, there are a few other examples. I mean, Beginners is kind of a queer film, but not really. Uh, Albert Knobs, which actually did get a few nominations uh, for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress in this sort of vague lesbian trans kind of story that I, I frankly hated that film and, and thought that it... Um, was actually anti-progressive in terms of the way that it was talking about um, those sorts of issues. But smaller films that, that really got no notices at all are the films that perhaps we should sort of seek out and, and, and try to find a chance to see. Pariah, which which came out at the end of December, is a really remarkable lesbian, uh, urban, African-American story. It's a story that's really not told very often, and it's a really, really great film. I just feel like it was sort of... Um, released at a very odd time where there was a, a lot of competition from these bigger sort of Iron Lady, uh, the artist sort of films. But it's a really great film that you should definitely check out. Um, Tomboy, which is a French film, it's not particularly queer, but it's about uh, a young a young woman who, who clearly has queer tendencies in the fact that she sort of dresses and acts very much like a boy. It's a fantastic film that I think was uh, playing at the Tiff Bell Lightbox um, not too long ago, but should be out on DVD shortly. Um, so those are the standout films for me. Um, it's just a shame that a lot of them really weren't seen very much by by a lot of the mainstream um, audiences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for um, those suggestions because I think that um, yeah, some of those some of those movies don't get the. I, mean, I don't think Weekend was actually released here in Canada. I don't. No, I don't it, it wasn't, which is a really really sad shame. It had its premiere at Inside Out, like its Canadian premiere or whatever, and I'm sure it played a, a couple other Canadian queer film festivals. But for the most part, it, it it didn't actually get a theatrical release, and it's it's a really really fantastic film. Like not even in, you know, the queer sense of of mm-hmm. looking at films that are queer. It's just it's just a really great film. So it's it's uh, I think it's actually available on Netflix in Canada, which is a sad way to to, to discover it. But but it's better than nothing. So definitely go find it. Yeah, I have to say I saw it in New York, um, sort of on a rainy Friday night, and I was just completely blown away by it. I felt it was sort of the most a film has ever captured, I think, what it meant, what I felt the 20-something 
gay male experience is like, if that makes any sense. Um, I felt it was very similar to like myself and my friends' lives. And I had never, I'd never seen that in a film uh, before. And I was just completely blown away when I walked out. No, and me too. And, and I think that a lot of people feel the exact same way. I mean, it's really sort of speaks to a generation in a way that films just haven't, it's certainly not like with that kind of, um, clear sense of filmmaking, clear sense mm-hmm. of direction. Like it's, it's a, a really, really great film about a generation of people or, or sort of a certain subset of a generation of people that, you know, really often get overlooked in terms of, um, cinema. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I thought it was really incredible and, and it is a shame that, you know, it didn't get sort of the acclaim it deserved because I completely agree with you, even on the Albert Nobbs front. I mean, Albert Nobbs, I saw it last week and I, I really, really disliked that film a ton. I actually wanted to walk out, but didn't. Um, and it's just, sometimes there are these great little queer movies, um, you know, that don't get, don't get the acclaim or don't get the press or don't get, you know, the wide release that some others do. And and I really thank you for sort of suggesting some of them because I really hope that some of our listeners, you know, then go out of their way to, to look for small little things like pariah or go to Netflix and get weekend, that kind of stuff. So no, absolutely. And, and they should, because yeah, it, it sucks that, you know, those films get neglected and, and, you know, thrown off to, to Netflix. Whereas, you know, you could probably see Albert Nobbs at the theater, but unfortunately, Albert Nobbs, beyond being sort of offensive in uh, a representational way, it's just really, really boring. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's a bad little movie. And, and it's just basically Glenn Close's, you know, attempt at getting another Oscar nomination 20 years later. And she did, which is what is so sad about the Oscars. Yeah, it was... Um... It is really boring. Not to not to turn this into an Albert Nobbs um, <laughs> like bash fest, but it's it's um, not a very good movie. No. Um, well, no, I wanted to thank you, Peter, for joining us um, and for um, talking Oscars and talking uh, queer cinema of the past year. Um, I think you're incredibly knowledgeable, and um, I also think people should uh, check out Peter's blog, The Lost Boy. Uh, because um, he's got some great stuff that isn't specifically film-related there as well. So check that out. And thanks for joining us, Peter. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. I'm here with Quinford and Scout, photographers based out of the UK, and they're going to answer a few of my questions, including what it was like to work on the film Weekend. So, uh, basically, how did your involvement in the film come about? Well, uh, in a quite a nice way, actually. Uh, Andrew Hay, the uh, director, was somebody who had uh, got got interested in our work, and then he bought some prints for his boyfriend for, I think it was a birthday or anniversary gift or something along those lines. And then I think his boyfriend bought him some or something along those lines. It's quite some time ago now. But uh, then after a lot of uh, communication between us, uh, Andrew wrote to us and told us about this film that was his uh, idea and something that was coming up in the future and that he would be interested in getting us involved to a certain extent. Uh, At that time, it was very much a little idea in his head and it was something that we couldn't even imagine ourselves what it was going to be like and um, we ended up 
we, we took a trip down to London to see some friends of ours and we ended up meeting Andrew and his boyfriend at a picnic like uh, and having some beers with them and talking more about it and he asked if if for this project if we wouldn't mind letting him use our images as an example of what the aesthetic of the film would be like so that he could get funding and we had no problem with that we were really we were thrilled with that idea so that went ahead and we, we just didn't know what to expect from it but he, he got a lot of positive feedback for um for using our, our images and a lot of the different people he went to for funding uh because what their main images of the film were our pictures for a lot of the time uh, in his mind what the film looked like was what we were creating and sending him was it um difficult for for you guys to kind of create that aesthetic for the film specifically it, that the aesthetic there is a parallel between the aesthetic of your work and the stills that were taken for for the photograph were you trying to develop um, like almost a, a new version of your aesthetic for the film and were you conscious of that throughout the photography process? We were extremely, well I was extremely worried when we got there and um, we, we thought that that um, where they were shooting when we arrived was you know some borrowed apartment that looked incredible <laughs> but Andrew explained that it had actually been created to kind of uh, imitate our flat from our photos and I just I just couldn't believe that I was just blown away at that idea and it was just like they had so many little touches everywhere that there was a lot for us to photograph and it made us very comfortable that way but so we got there we were very excited and when we actually had to sit down and photograph um Chris and Tom, it was it was difficult because it it feels weird when you're so used to photographing one face to suddenly pull the camera up to someone else, someone you don't know very well initially, and try and get them to feel as comfortable. And uh, I think that for the first day we struggled with it, but because we spent so much time together, we um, kind of hounded them all the time with the camera and just when they were lying around between scenes we just sit with them as well and we just yeah they didn't, at it. they didn't really get a break a lot of the time we were the only people on the set um and it was it was good in that way uh we yeah. well, most of the photos that we took most of the photos that we took on set are of chris and paul not working like them just being close between shots and I think that they just do it so well they were so close the whole time that it made it easy you know it just it looked everything looked good and relaxed and nice do you did you ever at times feel that you were essentially shooting a more romanticized version of your relationship or, or of each other no it was it wasn't a more romanticized version of us it was just it felt like it was another couple yeah, they, they have their storyline is so different to our lives, which was very, we was very happy to know. Because Andrew said that he wanted to make a poster from these images, or we had to really keep that in mind uh, to make sure that what we were doing was cinematic as well as personal, and I guess also so that 
it took off in certain other areas like on the internet that it had elements that would interest some people whether it be sexual or attractive um interesting just so people could engage with the images as well great um do you think so in reference to both the work that you do documenting your relationship um and the work that you've done for the film weekend um do you think that the type of, of photography you do has made it more accessible or has made gay romantic photography more accessible to a mainstream audience or to have it seen in photographic art more internationally? Uh, yeah, I think perhaps in that ever since we, our link to our site went up on the weekend website and people have been visiting our site from areas of the world that would never have got a link to it. And, uh, for instance, say a lot of women now visit the site more than men, um, than ever before. Um, and also, I guess in some ways there may even be straight people visiting the site, which isn't always the case, but there, uh, and also we've seen that over the past few years, there are so much more gay relationships, uh, taking photos of their time together and putting it out there. So, and we do start being recognized by other sources that aren't solely gay at the same time. So I think that uh, because of the way the film was received internationally and most notably by lots of, lots of websites and newspapers and reviewers that firmly didn't want the film just to be labeled as a gay film, a lot of the time our photography isn't just labeled as gay photography anymore, um, which is which is something that is quite new for us as well. And that, that kind of leads up to um, my next point with, um, so there's, there's been, I, I, I'd like to, I think, I guess, there's been a, an increase in gay couples documenting their photos on, especially on social media outlets. Um, like Tumblr or, or any type of blogging software. Um, can you comment on kind of this increasing trend or um, are there any critiques that you may have about the work that people are throwing up? Um, I, I just think it's, it's really good to see. I think it's, it's good for not only the people doing it, but for more people that are seeing it. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's really fantastic. Um, Especially because it's all over the world now, and everyone looks different, and how they how they are in a relationship with each other is so different to how we are, and everything from the drinks that everybody's having to breakfast to the clothes that they're wearing or the weather or how their house looks like is really interesting to us, and I think it's it's nice because uh, so much of the images that are also seen on those social networks platforms are. Usually, they don't have any foundation of truth, or uh, like there's so much, there's like huge amounts of gay imagery out there, but we never really know any story behind it. But more and more, we do start recognizing people for their relationships, or the people that they're with may not even be a relationship, but just somebody that they've slept with, or, or just people's individual stories by documenting things more often. And with that, uh, kind of naturally we drift towards just having interest in their lives it's, and uh, a lot of these a lot of them have become really great contacts and friends of ours and it's really really fantastic 
uh, we've had a chance to visit a lot of these people and they're great friends of ours now and uh, in the behind all of that like, we're more friends now and every so often we remember that they actually take photos of each other and it's really great to see uh, years and years of photos that they've been taking of each other and the, everyone else is just these little stories and taking in images and we really like that and I think it's um, it's quite a healthy and exciting thing and I, I do hope it starts to become more recognized actually because whilst it's, it's not so easy to explain to someone what we do who's very unaware of it um, the more that uh, it becomes something that people get to do that, uh, in all circumstances it's, it's a lot of fun and a really neat project to do with Thanks very much for being part of the podcast. You can find more of Quinford and Scout's work at quinfordandscout.eu. So thank you all for listening to the Queer Cinema slash Oscar edition of No Homo. Uh, We hope it's been enjoyable. Uh, You can contact us, please do, uh, via email at nohomopodcast at gmail.com you can tweet us at nhpodcast uh, or you can visit our blog thenohomopodcast.tumblr.com interact with us ask us questions tell us what you want to see Uh, we have a few topics coming up in the next few weeks based on some listeners feedback Um, and one of those topics well we are going to address some bad words in our next podcast. Some bad words. Our entire next podcast will be dedicated to the word faggot. So we're going to delve into what is it? Those six letters and see what uh, is it six (laughs) letters? Yeah, six. Okay, there we go. Um, We've had a glass of wine or two. Um, And we're going to delve into those six letters and that word and sort of see what it means for people and um, yeah, and just explore it in further detail. So thanks so much and uh, tune in in the future. Bye faggots.